Turning your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 25. Leviticus chapter 25. We're continuing our study of the Feast of Israel. We've been seeing the, the special times, the holy days, the holidays. And where's what we said? Why, did, why do we have this? Well, this, it was God set, gave these things to them to set them apart as a nation, to remind them of his power and provisions protection, going all the way back to Passover when they came out of Egypt, all of those things. And then really their foreshadow of God's future plans. When you think about it, just use Passover. It showed them that God had the Passover lamb, the blood on the door, delivered them from, the, uh, from Egypt, and then it was a foreshadow of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So there's a lot of good things there. This morning, we're going we're gonna to look at one and just touch on another one, and we're going to talk about a sabbatical year and a, the year of Jubilee. Okay, how does that fit? Well, the Sabbath year is every seven years that they had to take a break, and we'll talk more about that. And then the year of Jubilee was every 50 years that they had a break. So what, what does it mean? How does it fit? How do they go? Well, we'll see it. Everybody talks about how land is so valuable and that there's only so much land, and we think about the nation of Israel, and God gave them land. If you remember, he chose Abraham. Abram was living in the earth of the Chaldees. We're seeing this on Wednesday nights while I'm teaching the class, our SBI class on the patriarchs, and we're looking at Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Well, we're looking at Abraham right now, and God told Abram, Abraham to leave the earth of the Chaldees, which is the southern part of Iraq, and come on all the way up and come all the way over to a land that he would show them and give to them. And so he gave the nation of Israel a land. And the land is much bigger than what the land they have is now. But it is an amazing thing. And so God made a covenant with Israel. And he says, this land is your land. And so when we think about the land, we think about two big events. First, the bondage in Egypt when they were out of the land. And then when they came and taking the land under Joshua. Now, here's what I want you to understand. We all say that God came in, or God told them to go in, and they conquered it, and each of the tribes got certain portions of the land, and then each of the families in the tribes got certain portions of the land. But what we don't always think about is the land did not belong to the Jewish people. It belongs to God. Look at Leviticus 25, 23. The land, moreover, shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine. For you are but aliens and soldiers with me. So when we talk about the land belongs to Israel, it does, because it's actually God's land, and God has put his people in that land. And so I want you to think about it. Each tribe had a portion. Each family had a portion. Can you imagine that every, every family had a portion of land when they got into the land. And so they would say, this is our land. This, this 40 acres, this 100 acres, whatever, whatever it might be, this is our land. And how long did that family have that land? Yeah, forever, forever. And you say, but what, what, if, what, if, what if down the road they needed money and they sold the land? What would happen? What would happen? Is it always their land? What, what if you sell it? it go, doesn't it go to somebody else? 
what we're going to see, and we're going to look at two feasts today. One of them in details, one of them next time, and we're going to look at those two feasts. But I want to remind you, remember we said that the Jewish people had a weekly feast, which was the Sabbath day. They had a monthly feast, which was called New Moon. They had the seven yearly feasts found in Leviticus 23, and then we saw a couple more of yearly feasts, like the Feast of Purim and the Feast of Hanukkah. And then there's non-yearly feasts, which is what we're talking about now. And then there's special feasts, and we're going to see those like a bar mitzvah, and a wedding feast, and how all those tie together. So we're going to see them. Last time, we saw, uh, in two weeks, we saw the Feast of Purim, how God saved the nation from destruction, that's the book of Esther, and the Feast of Hanukkah, which is 164 B.C., where God gives the victory. And we talked last week, Hanukkah has nothing to do with Christmas. It has to do when the Jewish people took back their land from Antiochus Epiphanes IV, and they went into the temple. There was only enough oil to burn for one day. It burned for eight days. It was a miracle. It was called the Miracles of Lights. That's Hanukkah. That's what that means. And so the Jewish people remember from 164 B.C. all the way up, all the way today, that they celebrate that feast. Well, this morning, we're going to go to Leviticus 25, and we're going to see two things. We're going to see a sabbatical year and a year of jubilee. And we're going to spend most of our time this morning, and it's not going to take very long, so you'll have plenty of time when you go to your grow groups, I just want you to see how this fits. So we'll have plenty of time as we go to the grow groups. And then next week, so this week, we're going to look at sabbatical, and we're going to touch, just barely touch on this. And then next week, we'll do this one. So we'll put those uh, together. So it won't be that long. So in Leviticus 25, verses 1 through 7, is what we call the sabbatical year, Sabbath year. And then in 8 through 12, is the year of Jubilee. And how does it fit? What would it mean for us? Or, or we're, we're not under law. We're not under Mosaic law. So this has never been for us. But there is some principles there. So let's, let's start with these two feasts. And the, one fe- the first feast, the fa- Sabbath year, actually brings rest and provision. And we'll talk about how. And then the year of Jubilee brings rest, provision, and restoration. What? How does this fit? Well, it's going to be amazing. So let's start with just a Sabbath principle. What is a Sabbath principle? It's rest. And, and technically, a Sabbath principle is you work and then you, you rest. That's what, so think about this. The Sabbath principle was found in Leviticus 23, which he basically said a Sabbath day, there's a principle, you work for six days and rest on the Seventh, And if you remember when God was going through all this stuff, and he says, you shall work six days and rest on the seventh, for in six days God created the heavens and the earth and rested on the seventh. There are a lot of people who think that maybe those days in Genesis are long years and, and, and big time periods. They're not. They're six days. And if you read it in the Hebrew aspect, it is six days. If you read it in the part where he says, well, you shall work six days, and he meant six little days, and rest on the seventh. Why? Because God in six days, he means literal days, created the heavens and the earth and worked on the seventh, I mean, and rested on the seventh. So bottom line, uh, when people start getting all bent out of shape, the truth is if you read the Bible in Hebrew, or if you just read it even in English, you, you understand that he did it in six real days. So a Sabbath principle is work, work six, rest one. And so he told them, here's what I want you to do. I want you to work six days and rest on the seventh day. And they, we, they all say, that's fine, that's fine. But then there's something else. There's a Sabbath year. You work for six years and do what? Take a year off? 
How many's for that? <laughs> now, what, what did they do for a living? Most of them? Agriculture. They, they, they grew crops. You know, they went out there and they had their crops. And every year they had their crops. And then two years and three years and four years and five years and six years. And then on the seventh year, they got a rest. They're not going to produce any crops. Well, how are you going to eat? You know, so we got to talk about it. So what did he tell them to do? Look at Leviticus 25 verses 1 and 2, and the Lord is speaking to Moses. Now, if you remember in chapter 23, which is just two chapters back, it's where he gave them the seventh feast that they had to do every year. When we get to chapter 25, he's going to give us non-yearly feast, and look what he says. The Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I'm going to give you, then the land shall have a Sabbath to the Lord. So he starts off and says that when you come in, the, the land is going to have a Sabbath. And we already know that he's told them that you're going to have a Sabbath. You're going to work for six days and you're going to rest. And anybody in your household, whether a slave or an animal, you, you don't work. Everybody works six and rest one. When you come into the land, the land is going to have a Sabbath. And so you, what you're saying is the land's going to have a what? A rest. So he goes on to say, look at verse 3. For six years you shall sow your field, and for six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in its produce. But during the seventh year, the land shall have a Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field nor prune your vineyard. So we stop right there. And so look what it says that you're going to, in Leviticus 25 verse 3 says, you're going to sow and work for six years. And then on the seventh year, the land has a Sabbath. And that means what's going to happen to the person? They're going to have a what? A Sabbath year. Now, they already have a Sabbath day, right? In fact, are we, is the Sabbath principle a good principle? Should you at least have one day that you rest? In our culture, people work Monday through Friday and usually have Saturday and Sunday off. That's what a lot of people do. Other people work at all the different times. The bottom line is you should have a time that you break every week. At, at, at least that you're not doing your job, what you get paid for, whatever, that kind of thing. And now here he tells them you work six days and rest, and then you're going to work six years, and then you're going to rest. And, and there's going to be a Sabbath of this. And look what he goes on to say. He says, um, verse 5, You shall not reap your harvest after growth. You shall not gather your grapes of untrimmed vines. The land shall have a sabbatical year. All of you shall have a Sabbath produce of the land as food for yourselves, your male and female slaves, your hired workers, your foreign residents, those who are strangers among you, even your cattle and animals that are in the land shall have this produce to eat. Now, you, so what you're saying is, wait a minute that this is a Sabbath of rest, and it's for everything. And, and, and Leviticus 23 says, Now you shall sow your land for six years and rest its yield. In the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie uncultivated, so that the needy of your people may eat, and whatever they leave, the animals of the field may eat. You're to do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. He says you're just going to let it rest. And so you go, Wow. So how, how did the people live? What did they do? Well, there were three parts connected with this. Number one, there was the rest for the land and the people. The Leviticus 25, 3 and 4 says they have to rest. 
they have to they have to rest. And then in and, and 2023, 20, it goes back and says the same verses that I just, uh, just gave to you. In fact, that's, that's 23, 10, and 11 right there. And so there's a rest for the land and the people. Does that sound like it sounds good? Are, 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 most, are most people uh, worn completely out? And it's not necessarily from their jobs. They just go and go and go and go and go everywhere. And, and we may ought to take some principles from Scripture and say, how about some time of rest? How about some time of rest? Here's the second thing, and this is something we didn't realize. There's spontaneous growth. The land, Leviticus 25, verse 19, then the land will yield its produce so you can eat your fill and live securely. Look at verse 19. It says, it says exactly the same thing. The land will yield its produce. When you don't, when they take the year off, stuff will grow of itself. That's what he says. Stuff will grow of itself. And you go, what? Who, who's doing that? Who's doing that, by the way? God's doing that. Let me ask you something. If somebody said to you, and you're a farmer, and you have to depend every year on your crop, and they came to you and said, now, on your seventh year, you don't do anything. God says, don't do anything. It'll just grow by itself, and you can eat whatever's growing by itself and everything, and just, you just take the whole year off. What would you do? You'd say, I don't think I can do that. I mean, we gotta have, we got to eat, and I've got to produce, right? I mean... What are the people going to have to do when God says, work for six years and take the seventh year off? What are they going to have to do? They're going to have to trust God. Sort of scary, isn't it? What, what if it says you have a job and you work for six years, on the seventh year everybody's off, and you, you, don't, have, you, don't, you don't work for a whole year? And what are you first saying is, how am I going to make a living? How am I going to make it? Well, this is agriculture, so how are you going to make it? If you don't do anything in the crops. And then there's a third thing that's tied in with this that's not necessarily found right here, but it's found over in Deuteronomy. It says, At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a remission of debts. What? What? I owe Benita. And at the seventh year, guess what happens to the debt? It's canceled out. So we start another year with what? Is anybody in debt? No. If they had to borrow from somebody, if they had to do something from somebody, every seven years, the debts are canceled. Look at Deuteronomy. Then Moses commanded them, saying, at the end of every seven years, at the time of the year of the remission of debts, at the Feast of Booths. What's the Feast of Booths? What's the, what's the other name? Feast of Tabernacles. At the end of Tabernacles, all the debts are released on the seventh year. What do you say to that? Yahoo. Right. What if you had a student loan that goes for 32 years, but no, no, it's going to only go for seven at the most, or six. Huh? Well, that's how it works for a lot of people. Somebody's taking our tax money and paying it off. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Okay, so Moses commanded them saying, at the end of every seven years, at the end of the year of the remission of the booth, at the mission of debts at the Feast of Booths. Wow. So then here's the question that comes up. And this is the question that every one of them would ask because they're agricultural people. How are we going to eat in the seventh year because we're not going to have anything to eat then? And then as we start the eighth year, 
we got to put the crops in. Well, we're not going to be able to eat because it's got to grow up through the eighth year. And so probably the first time we're going to get any of those crops is at the beginning of the what? Ninth year. So how are we going to make it all that time? How will we eat? How will we eat? Leviticus 25.20, look what it says. But if you say, what are we going to eat in the seventh year if we do not sow nor gather in produce? That's a logical question, isn't it? Then look what he says. Then I will so order my blessing for you that in the sixth year it will bring forth the produce enough for how long? What does it say? Huh? What does it say? Three years. The sixth year is going to bring in so much food that you'll have enough for what? Three years. In fact, he says this, I will order my blessing on the sixth year. It'll be enough crops for three years to take you all the way through. So you can eat the sixth year, you can eat the seventh year, you can eat in the eighth year until the ninth comes in. Wow. Do you have to trust God, right? I mean, that's just, you, you have to trust him. Because this isn't logical that you have crops every year and that's what you live off of it. And then this year I'm going to stop, but it's going to give me so much, it'll take me all the way through the three years until I get the crops going again. Leviticus 25, 22, you will be sowing in the eighth and still eat in the ninth. In fact, that's what he says. When you are sowing the eighth year, you will still be eating old things from the produce, eating the old until the ninth year when it comes in. Is that unbelievable? When the nation of Israel was in Egypt, and they wondered for how long? What'd they do for clothes when your clothes wore out? What'd they do for shoes when their shoes wore out? I mean, it's 40 years, right? I mean, usually sandals aren't going to last 40 years, right? I mean, and usually your tunic is not going to last 40 years. What'd they do? You know what they did? Absolutely nothing because they didn't wear out. He said, I will make it. And everything they had lasted for 40 years. Now, a whole bunch of them died off as they go. Maybe they took their stuff and said, I'll take, you know, Uncle John's jacket. Who knows? But it says their feet did not swell. Their clothes did not wear out. God is a God of faith. And you have to trust him. So what are you gonna, how are you going to eat? Well, you're going to get so much in the sixth year, it'll take you the seventh year, the eighth year, and all the way up to the ninth year. Let me do this. God will provide all our needs. He always does it. And then look, this is the last thing. I gave the verse a while ago, Deuteronomy 31.10, the release of debts. That's amazing. There's some people who are saying, I'm really looking forward to the seventh year, Right? I'm looking forward to the sabbatical year. So what do we have? Rest for the people, rest for the land, and release of debts. And all that is based on trust. And let me ask you this. If somebody owes you money, and it's the seventh year, and the debts cancel, what does that mean to you? It means you don't get that what? You, what are you going to have to do? You got to trust God. It, on both sides, you have to trust God no matter what. You say, I just got to trust God. If I needed that, God would provide. Let me ask you something. Did the Jewish people work six years and rest on the seventh? And work six years, rest on the seventh. Did they do it? Hmm? Answer is no. They failed to keep the sabbatical years. They didn't do it. They didn't do it. And that's why when you read 
Second Chronicles chapter 36, verses 17 through 21, he says, I'm removing them from the land so the land can have its Sabbaths, and they're going to take them all at one time. That's why they were in captivity for 70 years. That's the 70 Sabbaths that they did not keep. You realize that? You mean God's serious? When he told them, take a break on the seventh year, and they said, we're going to keep on going. What they're saying is, we don't really trust you to provide, so we're just going to keep on working. And so God says, okay, if you won't let the land rest every seven years, we'll just let them take it all at one time. We're going to move you out, and you'll get to come back, as, as Jeremiah says, you'll come back in 70 years. And they did. Now, there's one more thing I want to show you this morning, and that's the year of Jubilee, and we're going to get more details. This one is amazing. You count off seven sevens, that's 49 years, and then on the 50th year is called the year of Jubilee, and there's rest for the soil both on the 49th and 50th year. We've already seen he's going to provide enough for three years, so it doesn't matter. And then the reversal of the land goes back to the owner's. So I bought land from Bonita, and I've been living on it for 48 years, and I know what's going to happen at the 50th year. It's coming back to her family. Now, where's my family's property? So just think about that. What did God say? This is your land forever. That's why he gave every family, every tribe, every group, they had their own parcel of land. And even if they got into trouble or they needed something, they said, I've got to sell this land, I've got to have money. Even when they sold it, they knew in the 50th year they would get their land back for the family. Now, you might be an old man, sell your land, and your son is 10 or 12. He knows that someday, that, even though he doesn't have that land now, one day, if he keeps living, he'll have that land back. He may be 60 years old by the time the land comes back to him. Here's another thing. They released the slaves. Any person that was a slave was released in the 50th year. Wow. So it's pretty powerful. Next week, we're going to really highlight this one right here. The land going back. Say, um, say I wanted to buy Bonita's land. How are we going to determine the price? It's going to be based off when the 50th year is. See, if this is the 48th year and there's only two years left, I'm not going to pay that much for the land because I'm only have it for how long? Two years. But if it's year three, I may pay a good bit because I'm going to have 47 years to get the crops off of it. That's how they determine what things cost. So you would never go to somebody and pay 25 years worth of crops when there's only three years left. You'd say, I can't pay that. No, I'm only going to pay the three years because at three years, you're going to get it back. So we'll see that next time as well. Good stuff. Okay, so let me throw up two applications and then we can go to grow groups. That one is, let's understand God's Sabbath plan for Israel. Now listen, is this God's Sabbath plan for us? We're the church, the body of Christ. Are we under Mosaic law? Have we ever been under Mosaic law? Are we under Leviticus 23 or 25? Are we actually under a Sabbath principle? Not exactly. There's an idea that you need to rest, but we're not under a Sabbath law. What day do we worship on? 
Sunday, first day of the week. Jewish people worked six days, rested on the seventh. First day of the week is Sunday. Last day of the week is Saturday. They worship on Saturday because that's the Sabbath day. Sunday is not a Sabbath day. Sunday is called the Lord's Day in the Scripture. So uh, if you, you know, you, what people have done historically is they'll say, I'm not going to work on Sunday or anything. I'm going to go to church and relax and rest and worship. And that, that's a day off for me. But it's not really the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day is Saturday. That's why, and I, let me just remember in the, the story of Eric Little, when he was with Scotland and he refused to run on the Sabbath. That's what he said. That was Sunday. But he was wrong. He could have run. In his tradition of growing up, Scottish Presbyterian aspect, they taught him the Sabbath day was Sunday and you are not to do anything on the Sabbath. And so he thought they had the trials for the 100 meters on Sunday and he wouldn't run. And so they, he, he got to run in the 400 meters, which happened to be on other days, and he broke a world record in one. That's how great he was. But I wish I could have been there. I could have said, by the way, this is not the Sabbath. You don't. You can run if you really want to. You remember? Was it not too long ago that I read to you from Laura Ingalls' the book, Little House on the Prairie, and she described what it was like to have to have church uh, when she was growing up, and at Saturday at sundown. Uh, excuse me, Friday at sundown. I'm sorry, Saturday at sundown, they thought that was the Sabbath beginning and the whole day was Sunday. The next day was a Sabbath. So they didn't even cook the meal that night and they ate cold food the next day. They didn't play the next day. They had to go to church. They had to sit still all the way through church. So when they came home from church, they had to sit. The best they could do was sit out on the porch and rest until the evening came. So they thought Sunday was the Sabbath and they put themselves under a law. We, you really need to look at the Bible. Don't you, don't you think that's the key to all this? Just look what the Bible says, not what traditions say. Because there are a lot of traditions that give you things that don't match the Scripture. They just don't. And I don't mean this bad, but the denominations and things that they say, this is what we believe, but it's not really biblical. And some things people believe that it doesn't have anything to do with the Scripture. You, you could do it. You, know, you have membership, right? We have membership. Membership's not in the Scripture. We have membership because it makes it a lot easier to determine who's a member and whether you vote for something and that kind of thing. But membership's not in Scripture of a local church. But things are a lot different now than they were then because in a local church then, there was one main body with meeting house churches and you, you knew everybody. 